The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Tennessee, Virginia, Arizona, Louisiana, and now in New York. From boosted parlays to in-game odds and every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and bet $10 to win $200 in free bets. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. Head on over to PropSwap.com or download their PropSwap app today. And next, we're brought to you by Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-belt grooming. Use promo code SGP at Manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. And finally, we're brought to you by Stable Duel. Stable Duel is horse racing daily fantasy sports app where you can play free and paid games for real cash prizes. You can win as much as $15,000 with just one entry. Head on over to StableDuel.com to get started today. And of course, speaking of apps, don't forget to download the SGPN app. It's your home for all of our free picks and podcasts. Download the SGPN app wherever it is you download apps. Howdy ho, DeGenerinos, and welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, the Mighty Mighty Sports Gambling Podcast Network, episode 117. This one is going to go out to Jim Miller, uh, a longtime favorite of mine, who will be making his 117th appearance in the Octagon this weekend, um, give or take. I may have rounded up a little bit, but it, it's around 117 appearances he's, he's made in the Octagon. So uh, this goes out to Jim Miller. I will be your host of this year's podcast. My name, the Warrior Princess, Jeff Fox. Thanks for thanks for listening in. Um, and if you're listening to us on our MMA Gambling Podcast feed, thank you for doing so. If you throw us up a review, that would be awesome. If you're not subscribed to that feed, please make sure you do uh, so you can get this podcast in your ear holes the second we drop it, like it's hot. Um, this is the part of the podcast where I drive off a lot of the listeners, so I, maybe we'll just skip right through that and get right to my my co-host, because um, he he's the one that brings uh, the boys to the yard. Uh, what can I tell you about this uh, co-host other than him bringing his milkshake, bringing the boys to the yard? Let me think. Um, this, basically, this weekend's event is the only type – he's the only type of, of person who would be excited for this event, but I don't even think he's excited for it, which tells you a lot about the UFC uh, event that's, that's coming up. Um, he's the guy who no, no uh, sells all of my jokes. Um, you may know him as Man Mountain Gumby, or you may just know him as plain old Gumby. His name is Daniel Vreeland, and here he is. Hello. Yeah, this this event, I'm, I'm just going to skip right to it. Not great, and recently got worse, yeah. <laughs> which for, uh, you know. Usually, just, usually you find reasons. Yeah, I, I usually find reasons. And don't usually get me wrong. Reasons. Yeah, there, there are reasons to like this one, right? Like, uh, you know, I – uh, I enjoy a David Onama fight, which we'll talk about. Um, Joaquin Buckley, Abdul Razak Al-Assan is going to be weirdly chaotic. Uh, the main event, if it got weird enough, could be weirdly chaotic. Who doesn't love a chunky guy like Parker Porter? There's Jim Miller. I mean, like, there's reasons to like it. But, like, I mean, like, this is a card where, you know, the the majority of people on here you wouldn't even consider prospects. Uh um, you know, you, you had a guy who I really liked in Austin Lingo pull out of the fight. I don't really particularly love his replacement. Um, you know, you could say the same thing about Mario Batista versus Khalid Taha, which was kind of a fun-ish fight, and Khalid Taha drops out. 
and I don't really love his replacement. So, yeah, it's it's just a weird card with, like, weird choices in matchmaking. Like, it's not even good choices in matchmaking. Uh, weird choices in matchmaking. But nevertheless, uh, whether they are weird choices in matchmaking or terrible choices in matchmaking or people are bums or superstars, you know what you can do, Jeff? You can make money off of this. Shove it right off. Oh, you can tell me to shove it. Shove it somewhere. Yes, you can make money, and then you can shove your money wherever you want to shove it. Um, God, that was such a good response. Well, hey, that's usually what people tell me when they when they lead up to that. Um, and this is probably is this your third podcast recording about this this stellar event, also, Dan. No, I'm only at two. the The okay, primer's good. gonna come. The primer's gonna come out tomorrow. It's it's running a little later than usual, so I'll have that for you guys tomorrow. Uh, Top Turtle MMA podcast. If you're listening to this, has already been out for a few hours. Oh, um, yeah, because I I released it before we started recording, so that's at least an hour to to record it, and then it takes us a while to edit it and whatnot. So yeah, um, you guys uh could be listening to that uh, while we're recording this. For all I know. It showed, just showed up in my feed. It says Parker Porter, David Onama, and UFC Vegas 48. That's what we have to look forward to on the Top Turtle podcast. But this is not a Top Turtle podcast podcast, is it? It's not a Top Turtle podcast podcast. <laughs> it, may as well, it may as well be. My God. It's all this guy talks about is Top Turtle this, Top Turtle that. Um, all right. We, we want to get down to the nitty gritty, um, get this event over with. Uh, any news or notes that we should discuss, do you think, Dan? I'm racking my brain. I don't think anything too exciting has happened. I mean, it's worth mentioning for those who are, are kind of bemoaning this main event between Jamal Hill and Johnny Walker, that this was originally supposed to be the co-main event. The main event, uh, Rafael Dos Anjos versus Rafael Fiziev, was now officially announced, which I think has changed from the last time we talked, which is just rumored. It's now officially announced that that will be the co-main event of UFC 272 next month, uh, which is headlined by Colby Covington on March 5th uh, versus Jorge Masvidal. So, uh, yeah, like we're still going to get a chance to see that headliner, just not as part of this stellar main card. Um, yes, stellar. We also were supposed to get what Ilya Latifi and Alexander Romanov in this card too. So those those top three fights would have been all right, actually. Um, yeah, and I think the, I think Nazrat Hakparast was supposed to fight John John McDessie on this one. And and granted, uh, Hakparast was moved to last week, and we did get to see him get the shit kicked out of him by Bobby Green. But that also would have been kind of a cool fight. Um, and yeah, Ilya Latifi versus Alexander Romanov would have been, been fun. It would have been weird as all hell. And now, did you know Eli Latifi is rebooked since then? Not with Romanov. Have oh, you seen this? Yeah. I, yes, I think we talked about it. I can't remember it's, who it was. It, it was something it, funny, though. I remember it's that. Maybe, it's maybe even weirder. He's going to fight Alexi Olenek. Yes, yes, we did talk about this. Yes, <laughs> lots, so, of, lots of fun. A, that's a bizarre-ass fight, uh, and I love every bit of it. So that's at the end of March at some point. Yes, yeah. Uh, basically, any. Any fight, any heavyweight fight with Ilya Latifi is going to be uh, a wacky matchup. Yeah, it's like yeah remember that time he arguably beat Derek Lewis? <laughs> yeah, that's right. He did, didn't he, way back when? <laughs> he basically did. Um, you know, obviously the judges scored it for Derek Lewis, but not everybody did. It was very much in question going to the judges. Also, it went to the judges. Like, that's that already is perplexing. Yes, I know. That, yeah, that is wild. And I see we've got uh, just announced AJ McKee versus a Pitbull rematch uh, for the Bellator belt, whatever. That's featherweight, I guess. Uh, belt, and then we got Vadim Nemkov versus Corey Anderson for the Grand Prix Finals, which is also 
doubling as a, a light heavyweight title fight. So we have those um, happening as well, uh, coming up soon enough. But like like we've uh, we danced around it enough, we do have a stellar event uh, to talk about this weekend. So we should probably get down to it after I tell you about WinBet. Naturally, WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, Louisiana, and New York. Capital letters. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds in every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Be on the lookout for the WinBet Win Hour each Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. During WinBet Win Hour, marquee games of the week will have better odds at WinBet, giving you a larger payout opportunity. Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $10, win $200. Download BetWin. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where play through Winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Um, ah, let's, t- let's tell you about Mans- uh, Manscaped, too, because that's always a fun one. Can, can I get a round of applause, everyone? Go, Dan. I, I would gonna... I would put it in, but if I clap in here, it's gonna it's gonna mess with my levels. And being the person who edits oh, is is nice like levels. the worst the worst part. <laughs> like, Sorry, Manscaped. It says no. It says Dan says we can't clap because of his levels. But anyhow, yeah. uh, regardless, I'm excited to announce Manscaped launched their ultra premium collection. Believe it or not, it's not for not. Uh, damn it! See, you didn't clap, and I'm way, I'm just <laughs> this just scrapped the whole show. All right, let's try again. Believe it or not, it's for your not-so-private parts. I do believe that, actually. Talk about a leveled-up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent. This is an all-in-one skin and hair care kit for the everyday man. It covers you from head to toe, literally. Manscaped is trusted below the waist. They can trust them with the rest. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off, plus free shipping with the code SGP. We all know how essential the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 is for the that precise trim below the waist. Their advanced skin-safe technology reduces cuts to your most delicate areas. But now you can enhance your perfect grooming routine with their ultra-premium collection. This package includes Manscaped Premium Deodorant, not for your balls, for your stinky armpits. This deodorant dries clear, is aluminum-free, and smells like their signature scent. Hydrating body moisturizer. Have tattoos or issues with dry skin? Dan does not have a skin uh, face tattoo, which he should by this point because he lost our bet. But if he did... You could use the hydrating butter body moisturizer. Um, it's designed to keep skin feeling clean, smooth, and smelling fresh. Body wash is to lather up you up with their infused aloe vera and sea salt shower gel. Two-in-one shampoo and conditioner to clean your scalp with an easy one step. Plus a free gift, a three-pack set of lip balm that's made up with ingredients such as vitamin E, peppermint, and eucalyptus oil to keep those chappers feeling moist. That's four products plus a gift inside the Ultra Premium Collection. What a score. All of these products are cruelty-free. Paraben-free, vegan-friendly, and dye-free. The best ingredients with zero compromise. So I recommend using the products in this order if you want to get out a pen and paper. People use pens and paper nowadays. Hop in the shower and scrub-a-dub-dub that body with the Manscaped body wash. Lather your hair up with a two-in-one shampoo conditioner to keep your noggin togging. I forgot to look up what togging means, so I think it's a good thing. Draw and spray on the hydrating body moisturizer to reinvigorate dry skin. Put on the Manscaped deodorant for obvious reasons. Pop that Manscaped lip balm on. No no one is out here kissing chapped up lips. Get Getting dressed after... Ugh, I still can't read, Dan. This is going to be a good <laughs> show, man. Getting dressed after is optional. Wear one great scent all day long. Get that ultra-premium collection hot off the shelves. Get 20% off and free shipping 
with the code SGP at manscaped.com. That's 30% off plus free shipping with the code SGP at manscaped.com. The power of attraction is now in a bottle thanks to Manscaped. And Dan's favorite manly smell is probably the smell of bear, right? Yeah. Raw bear if you can. Raw, yes. The the, the raw the better. All right. Let's get down to the raw event we got at UFC Fight Night, Walker versus Hill, a.k.a. UFC Fight Night 201, a.k.a. UFC ESPN Plus 59, a.k.a. UFC Vegas 48, which I'll probably is what I'll call it more often than not. It is going down from the UFC Apex Enterprise Nevada, February 19th, which would be Saturday. It is an ESPN Plus event, a premium event, obviously, 4 p.m. Eastern prelims, 7 p.m. Eastern main card. So that's the that's the positive about this event. It's not going to hopefully go all night, so there's a positive. Um, all right, we got, what are we down to? 12 fights, is that right, Dan? One, two, 12, 12 fights, that by my 12 time. fights, yeah, okay. Yeah. And I think we pretty much went through all everything that fell through. Dos Anjos Fiziev's got bumped up to two, UFC 272. Um, so Walker and Hill got moved up to the main event, plus five rounds. Um, and then we lost Ilya Latifi, Alexander Romanov. We lost Julian Marquez, uh, backed out of a fight against Kyle Dacus. Um, J.B. Pickett stepped in. We lost Austin Lingo, um, fighting Jonathan Pierce. Instead, Christian Rodriguez jumped in to fight Jonathan Pierce. And then we lost Clint Taha, who was supposed to fight Mario Bautista. Um, Taha dropped out. Jay Perrin jumped in. The mighty Jay Perrin. All right, let's start off with, actually, I usually ask you your thoughts. I guess we've already given our thoughts on the card. Stinker. Um, your thoughts on, on uh, making picks on it? Uh, not too bad. Um, like, I, I had to go remind myself uh, of a couple of the late replacements. Like, I know who yep. Jay Perrin is uh, because he's a Massachusetts native. Uh, so I've seen him Ooh. around the cage, cage Titans and um, the uh, he fought for CES the last time, but I think that was his CES debut. Um, and I re-looked up Christian Rodriguez because that is a uh, fairly common name. And I'm like, I right. know I've heard it somewhere. And then immediately after clicking, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the guy who beat up Tracy Cortez's little brother on Contender Series. Um, and that helped, you know, jog my memory a yes. little bit. So there were like a couple of fights I had to like look up and remind myself. And then the one guy we're going to talk about in a bit on a hell of a layoff um, that I had to remind myself yep. of as well. Um, but apart from that, you know, not too bad. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I don't think I have a lot, lot of dogs, but I tend not to have a lot of dogs. Maybe some things will, will change after we we go through things. So let's get her started with a Canadian bantamweight. Chad Ann Helliger versus Jesse Strader is in the the opener, the curtain jerker at bantamweight. Um, Strader. Sui Generis is his nickname. Do you know what that means, Dan? It means unique. Yes, that is a unique nickname also. And did you know that Anne Helliger is a monster, the monster? I did not know he was the monster. No. That's, I mean, is so is everybody else is too, right? <laughs> yeah. Did you know that he's Canadian? I did know he was Canadian, yes. Do that you know I'm he's aware from, of. He's from Alberta, I think. I was going to say Alberta. Like I said, this is going to be quite a quite a podcast we have today. Um, I don't think I have any Canadian trivia, unfortunately. You did too good last time anyhow, so it, it kind of ruined the uh, the fun of doing that. John, game, so. John gave me a little pat on the back, yes, and I felt like it was did. ribbing you directly. Exactly. <laughs> that, that's the best kind. The best kind. All right, let's just jump into this fight. Uh, Strader we'll start with first. He's 5-2 with four knockouts. 
Both of his losses have come via knockout. Uh, he's only won the UFC. He used to fight up at weight class at featherweight. He's an inch taller than Ann Helliger, six inches of reach, uh, which is significant. We we decided that four inches of reach was significant um, for our stat, for the stat capturing that I'm doing. So, so far this year, it's been 15 fights with the fighter with at least a four-inch reach advantage. What do you think the records are in that, Dan? How, how many fights did you say again? 15 fights. 15 Fif- fights. I'm going to say they're eight and, eight and seven. <laughs> nope, 11 and four. So it's okay. quite so it's significant. Starting to get yeah. significant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 70, 73%. So that is uh, a little uh, – that's something, something to keep in mind. It's obviously not the only thing you should go off of, but and it's a very small sample size still at this point. So he's got half a foot of reach. So that's pretty big. Uh, he's five years younger than Ann Helliger. Uh, twice more active a striker, both but both guys have only only had one fight under the UFC banner. Um, so another small sample size. Plus two hundred five. The monster, uh, eleven and five, six knockouts, three submissions. He's been subbed five times, so all of his losses have come via submission. He was one and zero in the contender series. He was just on the last uh, itineration. I that's the right word, right? Itineration. Sure. Iteration. You mean that's you, how you yeah. say it? <laughs> <laughs> itineration. I told you this is going to be a fun podcast today. Um, He's won nine straight fights. He's got multiple championships in regional promotions. He used to fight at flyweight. Um, so we have a former featherweight versus a former flyweight. Uh, grappling stats in his favor. Once again, small sample size, minus 270. Uh, we'll let you go first. Um, I don't really remember Strader. Uh, he fought in the UFC, apparently, but I don't yeah, remember him. Yeah, he did. And you probably don't remember because he did step in on short notice to fight Montel Jackson, which, by the way, that is an ask um, yeah. because like fight, fighting Montel Jackson already not easy. Um, and, and yeah, he, he like stepped up on short notice, took the fight. Uh, it shouldn't be fighting somebody like Montel Jackson. Um, but that being said, I, I also just have like not been terribly impressed with his like regional record. Like if you go back, it's actually fairly easy to find his fights because he fought for Combate, which makes it like Combate makes their fights very accessible um, via YouTube and other ways. But if you look at his fight against Isaiah Gonzalez, who was only 4-0 at the time, he does win that fight in two minutes, but he gets tagged pretty hard on the feet. And two of the first things you'll notice about him in his defense is that he takes straight punches right to the dome. Um, his defense is not high enough, and which is, I, I mean, like, why you get knocked out by Montel Jackson. Um, your def- His defense is not high enough. It's not tight enough. He doesn't take his head off the center line enough. All not good things. Also in that fight, Isaiah Gonzalez takes him down very quickly, um, which is not a good sign either because, like, at least you could say if his striking was terrible, well, you know, maybe his wrestling's good and that'll help out. But even that, like, isn't particularly great. So I will be honest. When when I saw in Helger on the Contender Series, I was like, don't sign this guy. Yeah. Uh, I did not yeah. think he was ready. He won a split over Morian Goffaroff, who, who is a really tough opponent, who out-wrestled him. But in the same sense, like, and Helger still gives me a lot more confidence than, uh, than, than Strader does here because he's been in with guys like Gafarov. And, you know, his fight before that was against Brady Highstand, who, who you guys might remember is just went to the finals of the Ultimate Fighter and had a toe-to-toe war with Ricky Tercios and just barely lost. So, like, this is a guy who's been in with top-notch opponents. And, you know, I, I also just want to take a second for, for everybody out there who's like, oh, shit, like, he does have tons of submission losses on his record. You're right. He has five submission losses on his record out of all five losses. The last one was eight years ago. He hasn't lost in eight years. So 
like we can probably put that to bed as being his weakness and th- say, you know, he's probably fixed that by now. So if you're worried about the negative 255 line, I say don't be because in Helliger here, far better striker, definitely going to take it home here. So in Helliger is my pick. Yeah, my pick too. I'm surprised though that I would pick him or the both of us would be picking him to win in his UFC debut after a so-so performance. It, I mean, great, but, great matchmaking. Let, let's yes. just say what it is. Cause like the, the UFC knows he's not ready. And, and it, I, I will say this. I hated how many people they signed off the contender series, but they seem to be doing an immaculate job at representing their skill level. Once they put them in UFC matchups. Right. right. Because like, and Helger is getting straighter, which makes perfect sense. And, like, you know, Michael Morales got a fight with Trevin Giles. And, you know, Jelton Almeida got a fight with Demilo Market. Like, they got the right kind of opponents for each of them. So, you know, good on them for doing that. And uh, I expect in Helger is going to have a UFC win. There you go. All right. One, we're both siding with the Canadian. Uh, another kind of Canadian, as she lives in Canada now. <laughs> in the next fight. Women's strawweight Diana Balbicha or Balbida, if you prefer, versus Gloria DePaula. Balbicha, what's called the Warrior Princess, but that's my nickname now. And um, DePaula is Glorina, which I could have taken also. But um, this one is almost a pick 'em on the board. Very, very close fight. Uh, Glorina, five and four, three knockouts. She's been knocked out once in her career. She's 0 and 2 in the UFC. Lost her last fight via TKO. There's that knockout I was speaking of. She is a Contender Series um, alum also where she won. Uh, striking stats are in her favor, and she's at minus 105. The Warrior Princess is 14-6, six knockouts, four submissions. She's from Romania, but now trains in the, my birthplace, Stony Creek, Ontario, where I lived for the first six months of my illustrious career here on Earth. Uh, she's 14-6, six, six knockouts, four submissions. She's been submitted herself four times of her six losses. Uh, she's one and two in the UFC, uh, dropped her first two. They gave her a third chance and she saved her career by winning her last fight. She also was in KSW where she went one and one. She used to fight up two, uh, actually two weight classes at Bantamweight. And then she used to fight up at flyweight as well. She's got two inches of height over DePaula and into reach. She's a year younger. She's karate champ, Kempo champ, kickboxing champ, um, twice more active landing strikes minus one twenty. Um, but Bita is my pick. Uh, DePaula has not proven to be UFC caliber at this point. So uh, I like the very close line in this also. I think it's going to be a striking battle, and Bita should win that. Yeah, and, and it's funny, too, because I actually took Gloria DePaula in the, her fight with Shane Vlismas or Shane Bays yep. at the time, mostly because I thought Vlismas wouldn't be able to get her down, and I thought she was a better striker than Vlismas. It, it wound up being that weird head kick knockout. Yep. Um, but, but ultimately in this fight too, I, I agree with you. I think Belvicha is a better striker in this fight. I think she's faster. I think she's stronger. I think, um, neither of these two is going to try to take it to the ground, which I think winds up being a, an advantage for Belvicha because like, if you look at her UFC career so far, the only way that she's really struggled is, is she gets taken down a lot. She puts out great volume. As a matter of fact, if you look back at that fight with Molly McCann, she probably beat Molly McCann except for the fact that Molly McCann took her down and got some work done on the ground too. So, you know, like when you consider that Belbicha is like, you know, a, a bad sub from Leanna Jojua and, a, you know, a close decision with Molly McCann away from being, you know, two or three and oh, like she actually is, is far better than her record would suggest. I actually have this one circled as one that I think the odds are definitely off on. Um, so you might hear it later on my, 
recommended plays, although I'm going to be honest, my recommended plays were not set in stone before I started recording. So uh, you maybe will hear it, but I, I actually I don't even know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I never have mine uh, picked before we record. I always like to talk things through and, and uh, hear what you think and stuff before I actually hammer down my picks. So maybe, maybe I would do better if I maybe, picked maybe minor. Maybe that's why minor are way ahead of yours. Maybe, exactly. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I also like this line. Um, it, we're we're foreshadowing, but yeah, I I also like this line on her. We'll we'll see if uh, if she makes it into the recommended place. All right, moving on. Featherweight: Chaz Scally versus Mike Marcus Strigel. Did you know this is Scally's retirement match? Apparently, I I actually just saw that on Twitter. I yeah. didn't know going into that. I saw somebody say, "Oh, uh, I think it was um was it East Spencer Kite who who posted something about yeah, it? Yeah, it, yeah. I I know we both follow, and he's like one of the best reads in the MMA world. If you don't read East Spencer Kite stuff. Like, he, he does the best profiles of fighters out there. So so go uh, go read his stuff and follow him on Twitter. Um, but, yeah, he posted something about it being Chaz Kelly's retirement fight. I was like, oh, that's uh, that's something. Um, and I didn't realize uh, it, it was the end of Chaz Kelly, um, which is sad because he was, I think, I want to say one of the first three or four episodes of Top Turtle MMA podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know Amazing. the first one ever was Charles Rosa and Shannon Cap, uh, the owner of Invicta. Uh, yep. But but I think number f- – I'm going to look it up while we're on air. But number four, I think, I'm going to guess, uh, was Chas Kelly. Yeah, he has been around a while. He's not been able to fight too often, unfortunately, but he has been around a while. Both these men have identical records, which um, when you hear what the record is, is strange also. 18-3 and one no contest. What are the chances of two guys fighting each other with the exact same record like that, too? It's, it's pretty wild. But let's tell you about Strigel first. Nickname is Mugen. Do you have any idea what that means or what that is? Yeah, it's an anime character. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> nerd. What a nerd. Um, okay, anyhow. 18-3 and three with one no contest. 14 submissions on his record. So we have a path to victory here for him, a preferred path to victory. He's been knocked out once, submitted twice, so all of his losses have come via finish. Still won the UFC where he got knocked out in his first fight, but that was back in October of 2020. He also was in the best promotion that's ever been on God's Green Earth, won championship where he went 2-1. <laughs> uh, he also is a regional champion. He used to fight uh, down at – I have – he didn't fight it. Oh, yeah, yeah, this is featherweight. He used to fight down at Bantamweight. Uh, he's three years younger than Skelly, more active striker, plus 165. Do you know what Chas Skelly's nickname is? This is another the, thing I did not the know. The Scrapper. Yes, I did not know yeah. that until now. Uh, <laughs> he's 18-3. 18-3 won no contest as well. Uh, three knockouts, 10 submissions. He's been knocked out once in his career, so he's only been stopped once. Seven and three in the UFC with one no contest, which, it's, uh, and once again, my fellow Canadian, fellow um, fan of the basketball team I played on, uh, E. Spencer Kite, and mentioned how it's sneaky, how Scully's uh, record is, like, it's sneaky good. Uh, most people would not imagine he's seven and three in the UFC. Yeah, and, and also one of those losses. Um, well, I guess it, it, he he would have had four losses because one did get overturned into a no contest. Right, right. Um, yeah. The weird Bobby Moffat one, which I mean, you could say what you want. Bobby Moffat maybe didn't get that sub, but Bobby Moffat was probably going to win that fight anyway. Um, yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's it's crazy that he's got a record like that. Um, yes, you know, in in losses to just dudes who are kind of better grapplers than him. I th- is yep. that fair to say? Like Mirsad Vechtik oh. and Darren yeah, Elkins? Does. Yep. Yep, definitely. Um, anyhow, he won his last fight, uh, but that was way back in September 2019. He's 
had injury issues. A bunch of fights have fallen through. Um, at least one of them, not uh, not his fault. Um, but regardless, he's been out of the cage quite a while. Both men have, but uh, him even more so. He's 3-0 in Bellator. Uh, he used to fight up at lightweight. Uh, he made his debut way back in 2009. Uh, he's three inches taller than Straggle, two inches of reach. Striking stats in his favor, grappling stats in his favor, minus 210 for his swan song. But we'll, we'll say, we'll put quotes around the swan song part because it's MMA after all. Go ahead. We'll let you pick first, unless you're okay. still looking I, I, up if was, he was on your I podcast was, and when. He, he was. He was on episode five. Um, there you go. You're one along with, along with Coach Stephen Wright, um, which was right before the episode six with Lauren Murphy and Sam Elvey, or episode seven with Robert Whitaker and Tim Johnson. Oh, yeah, look, look at, at you. Look, look at that. Um, so uh, I'm going to pick against Chaz Kelly. I'm going to take really? Mark Strigel. Yeah. Um, here's why. Uh, I... I kind of alluded to it when you were talking about his record. What what has been his Achilles heel? His Achilles heel right. has been people who grapple better than him. Um, you know, Mirsad Bechtik. Uh, you know, I mentioned uh, he got out grappled by. I mean, maybe I didn't mention it, but he got out grappled by Jason Knight, who was a, a pretty damn good grappler. Darren Elkins, Bobby Moffitt. Um, and, and those are the guys who beat him. And if you look at the, the other guys he's beating, it's guys who struggled with grappling. Jim Ehlers and Sean Soriano and Maximo Blanco and Chris Grutzmacher. And uh, Jordan Griffin's a pretty good grappler. But, like, you know, th- those guys are all not necessarily the best grapplers in the world. And now he's fighting a guy in Mark Strigel who actually does have a little bit of a wrestling background and, and is pretty damn good on the mat. So, you, you know, for – that that instantly gives me a little bit of a hesitation, but also like when you watch a Mark Strigel fight, he's very quick on the feet. So if he can just use his strength and his wrestling to avoid the takedown, I think he actually wins on the feet too. So we're, we're talking about a guy who I think could choose to wrestle Chaz Skelly and probably not only survive on the mat, but win on the mat. And then also is going to have an advantage on the feet. And, you know, when, when you consider those two things, sure, Skelly could sub him. But at the end of the day, I'm I'm wondering, is Chelly subbing him good enough to buy him in at, you know, a, a negative 200 price? I don't think so. So I'm going to ride with the underdog here. I like Mark Strigel. All right. Dan's playing the price. I'm playing who I think is going to win. I, I'm going with Skelly going out on uh, going out as a winner. Um, slightly bigger. You think Strigel is a better striker? I think Skelly is a better striker here. But I guess we'll have yeah, to I, and see. Come. I mean, I, I think I think when you you talk about his whole body of work like if you went back and watched all of Chad Skelly's fights you might find times where you thought he looked like Mark Strigel or he looked as fast as Mark Strigel or he looked as nuanced as Mark Strigel but I don't think you would see any of those fights recently um he hasn't fought for three years so well that, that's <laughs> well that's definitely part of it but also like I mean like even the Jordan Griffin fight he didn't look great on the feet and that was you know the, that fight was so long ago so I don't think works, and, and plus, like you know as well as I do, a dude with one foot out the door has never got the same kind of training camp as he usually does. Yeah, it's true. Um, we'll we'll have to just wait and see what happens, I guess, on Saturday because everyone will be watching this event um, <laughs> with bated breath, and, and we'll see what happens. Um, before before we we move on to our next exciting uh, fight, let's tell you about Stable Duel. There are never enough things to gamble on. And the one sport that runs 365 days a year is horse racing. The best part is now there is a new way to play the ponies, especially if you're brand new to the sport. Check out Stable Duel, a daily fantasy-style app where you can play free and pay games for real cash prizes. Pick your horses, build your stable, and play against others to move up the leaderboard. 
Win as much as $15,000 with one entry. Don't know anything about horses? Not to worry. The app gives you clear data on which horse to select to build your best strategy. The app is free to download at stableduel.com. Multiple games are offered each day with free games weekly at tracks all over the United States. Get in the app, create your account, and start building your stable today or stables today if you want more than one. Uh, invite your friends to play against you or play against our stables. You can even follow them in the app, and we can compare our own stats. Download now at StableDuo.com and see how many winners you can pick in your stable. See you in the winner's circle. Play, race, win. All right. Um, oh, I should say I'm picking Sky, but I don't like this the, the number on this fight. So this one you will not definitely not be seeing in my recommended place at the end of the show. All right, moving on to women's bantamweight, Jessica Rose Clark, a.k.a. Jesse Jess versus Stephanie Egger, um, a.k.a. Ham, and her nickname should be that, right? Yeah, you suggested that last time. I, I think I did. Uh, but we may, we, <laughs> may have, we may may have new listeners, and they may not have heard that amazing joke yet. So now they got to hear it. Um, so Ham and Egger, we'll, we'll tell you about first six and two, three knockouts, two submissions. We got a lot of people with not many fights on, on under their belts uh, on this card. Uh, um, we were the third one already has less than ten fights. Anyhow. Uh, Never been finished in any of the fights she's been in. She's 1-1 in the UFC. She won via TKO her last fight. She's 0-1 in, in Invicta. She used to fight up at Featherweight. She's the inch taller than Clark, four inches of reach on her. Uh, judo and grappling championships on her resume, plus 155. Jesse Jess, 11-6 with one, no contest, three knockouts, two submissions. Never been finished in the fight. Four and two in the UFC. However, she's won her last two fights. Uh, she used to fight down at flyweight, but she was having trouble making weight there. Missed weight multiple times, so she's up at bantam weight now. She was 0-2 in Invicta. She's got multiple championships back in Australia, where she's from. She made a debut way back in 2012. Striking stats in her favor, plus she's twice more active landing strikes, plus grappling stats in her favor, minus 195. Um, my turn. I will be going with Jesse Jess. She's looked good since she's come back from her injury. Um, and I, I think she's basically got um, the advantage everywhere, uh, no matter where this this fight heads. Uh, not to mention the immense um, experience advantage over Edgar, at least MMA experience. So Clark is my pick. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Clark too, but I will I, I will dispute your claim just mildly that she has an advantage everywhere. I, I think she has an advantage on the feet. Yeah, I think crap, she has. I, I, I think she has advantage in the clinch. I think she has yep. an advantage, maybe even wrestling. She has an advantage. But I think once it hits the mat, Ager is a much better fighter. So yeah, the true. reason the reason I'm picking Rose or Jessica Rose Clark here is that I think she most likely is going to be strong enough, smart enough, and nuanced enough on the feet to keep it from hitting the mat. Um, if it did hit the mat, I do think Ager is kind of a live dog here, as we saw with Shannon Young when she got Shannon Young down, she beat the hell out of her. But she couldn't get Tracy Cortez down. So if you can't get Tracy Cortez down, who is not actually a bantamweight, she's really a flyweight who is just fighting up. Jessica Rose Clark, while she did fight down at flyweight, has bulked up crazy. She's looking real yep. strong. I think she should have no problem defending the takedown. I think she probably wins this one by decision. There you go. Um, not arguing with that. One bit. Move on to featherweights. Gabriel Mowgli at Benitez versus David Onama. Uh, the silent assassin, David Onama. Um, Mowgli is 22-9 and nine with eight knockouts, ten submissions. Three, he's been knocked out three times, submitted two times. Six and five in the UFC. He's only won one of his last four fights. He lost via TKO his last fight. He was in the ultimate fighter because it all comes back to that 
eventually, I think it's going to be, it all comes back to contender series because we talk about that far more often, it seems now, right? Yeah, although, you know, hey, there's a season of the Ultimate Fighter coming up, my friend. They're, it's they're true. in the house filming as we speak. Oh, boy, can't wait. All right, um, what else can I tell you about Benitez? He used to fight at lightweight. He's got multiple championships on his resume as well. Grappling stats in his favor. Made his debut way back in 2007. He's plus 128. David Onaba, was he a silent assassin on your podcast? Hopefully he wasn't a silent assassin. No, he's very talkative. A great, uh, great listen. You, you'll have to listen in and, and find out more. I'm sure I will tonight. Uh, he is a finisher. Uh, he's eight and one, five knockouts, three submissions. So everything's a finish for him. He, he himself has never been finished in a fight. He was only one in the UFC, but that was on short notice. I'm sure Dan will tell you his whole backstory in a second. Uh, he's three inches taller than Benitez, three inches of reach, six years younger, more active striker of the two, minus one sixty. All right. Um, Back to the stats. What do you think? How do you think fighters who are at least five years older than their opponent are faring this year? I'm going to at least five years older. Yeah, that, that's that's the range. I'm going five or more. There's, it's been 17 matchups like that so far. I'm going to say they're they're 12 and five. Nine and eight. So that, oh, that okay. one has that one is not, <laughs> not pan, panned out. That one is not panned out as, as greatly yet. It, it may uh, that may change. Obviously, we're talking small sample size, but. Anyhow, I thought I mentioned that because Onama is, what, six years younger than this fight. And Dan is going to sing his praises, just as the aforementioned E. Spencer Kite, who is getting a lot of a lot of um, shout-outs on this podcast, um, this, this show. But like I said, he went to the school I went to. He was friends with a guy on my, uh, my basketball team. How small a world is that, eh? And I didn't <laughs> know that until, like, whenever we both started writing about MMA and we crossed paths again, and he brought it up to me. So, but anyhow... Uh, he he was uh, singing Anama's praises too in uh, in his uh, column on his uh, on his um, Substack today, um, saying that are we overlooking Benitez because everyone's so in love with Anama's uh, performance in his first fight? That, that's the question he's putting forth. I don't think so because like his his performance in his his first fight didn't just. It wasn't just like a beautiful finish, right? Like, it's not why we're high on Terrence McKinney, right? Because we're high on Terrence McKinney, and we're going to talk about him next week. He's got a seven-second knockout, and everybody was all jacked up on Terrence McKinney because they were like, oh, yeah, he's a quick knockout, all that stuff. David Onama didn't get the quick knockout. His whole regional career is quick knockouts. And what he did was he took a fight on seven days' notice where he wasn't actually in the right weight class and he had fought just 15 days prior. He wasn't in training camp. He was on vacation. And instead of, like, just getting the quick knockout and having the hype train behind him, he went 15 hard minutes with Mason fucking Jones, which is not easy to do. And he had his moments where he tagged Mason Jones. Again, not easy to do. So, I mean, like, there's so much to love about David Onama. He hits really hard. And I will say this. Are we overlooking Gabriel Benitez's skills a little bit? Sure. But I also think he's a great matchup for David Onama. David Onama is a guy who throws hammers, and Gabriel Benitez is a guy who gets hit a lot. So who wouldn't pick the guy who's knocking people out against the guy who likes to get hit and mix it up? I I like David Onama with a knockout year. I will go with with Onama as well. Um, Where can we learn more about um, him having to, like, cut his vacation short and come into the UFC, Dan. Is there anywhere we can hear more about that story? Oh, God, you should probably listen to episode 313 of uh, the Top Turn on the podcast. <laughs> oh, okay. Good idea. I'll, I'll do that as soon as I finish this this here podcast here. Did you hear my mic take a dive while you started going into your spiel about Onama? 
I did. I was trying it. to. I was just trying to decide whether or not it was bad enough that I need to edit it out. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it took. Well, now you don't have to because I talked about it. It took an amazing header off of the uh, off of the desk here, which was great. I didn't even touch it. It was. Uh, it got so excited about David Onama as a prospect, it, it took a header. Hopefully, <laughs> it didn't a, wreck your your precious a, levels, Dan. Do you have a uh, exorbitantly small desk space? <laughs> no. It's, okay. it's messy though. But okay. Yes. But I'll allow it. Okay, good. Moving on. So we're both taking Onama here. Um, could this be a trap, though, Dan? I don't think we... so. Okay. I, I really don't think so. Okay, <laughs> good. All right, Bantamweights, Mariel Bautista versus Jay Perrin, the aforementioned Jay Perrin, who we spoke about uh, earlier. He's a savage, in case you wondered. Um, he's taking this fight on short notice, his debut in the UFC. Um, what, he had a week's notice, maybe? Is it around then? He's, he's actually, it's funny, he's actually known for a little over two weeks okay. uh, that there was a hard, strong possibility that he would be moved in, partially because him and Mario Batista are both represented by the same management. Oh, um, okay. So they, like, knew they were going to need a replacement. They happened to have somebody who uh, was in the right spot, and they were like, yeah, Batista will take that fight because he needs a fight, and we happen to have a guy for him. So they're fighting for the manager's love is what you're saying. Right. I mean, if they're if they're doing that, uh, that they're gonna have a really tough time because that management company has over a hundred people, so uh, they're 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 probably not gonna win all that much of the fraction. <laughs> no, probably not. All right, uh, let's tell you about uh, let's tell you some more things about Savage Parrot. He's nine and four, two knockouts, three submissions. He's been subbed once. It's the only time he's been stopped in his career. He was zero one the Contender Series, zero two in Bellator. He's he's another one of those guys who has multiple belts on his mantle. The mantle I speak of every episode. Uh, grappling stats in his favor, plus 230. Uh, Bautista, 8-2, and two, three knockouts, three submissions. He's been knocked out himself once. He's 2-2 two and two in the UFC. He won, he, sorry, he lost via TKO his last fight. He used to fight at featherweight. He's two inches taller than Perrin. Striking stats in his favor, plus he's twice more active. Striking, this is based off of one Commander Series fight for Perrin. Minus 270, I will not take a debuting short notice uh, fighter without an amazing uh, pedigree, which I don't see uh, Perrin having. So Bautista is the pick. Yeah, and I, I don't think you should take somebody like Jay Perrin either, who who gets tagged a lot. Um, he gets hit a lot. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier on the show Jesse Strader taking straight punches to the dome occasionally. Jay Perrin is about 80 times worse at this. And I would argue, too, if you went back and looked at some of his fights, there are some decisions I'm not 100% sure about. Like the Diego Silva one in Cage Titans sticks out. Um, you know, he got out-wrestled by Dwight Joseph in that fight in, on Contender Series. You know, like kind of a low level of competition that he's fought. Um, and, and I don't even think he looked good in his last fight. So and he's fighting a guy in Mario Batista who I think has a lot of potential and has gotten kind of unlucky a couple of times. You know, he made a short-notice debut against Corey Sandhagen and then got tagged by Trevin Jones, who's a big dude. But he's also knocked out Miles Johns and beat uh, Jinso Sun. So, yeah, like I like Mario Batista quite a bit in this fight. Yep, as as do I, as I said. So there you go. We're back on the same page again. Um, we differed on what one one fight so far. Um, let's see how we do on the main event of the prelims: featherweights, Jonathan Pierce versus Christian Rodriguez. The aforementioned Christian Rodriguez. Oh, I forgot to write down Pierce's nickname. It's JSP, of course. Uh, Rodriguez has got an even better nickname: C Rod. Isn't that amazing, Dan? Yeah, it's it's great. It's almost as good as D Rod. Yeah, it is. Uh, he spells it C-E-E-Rod. At least that's a little different. Um, he is 7-0. and Three knockouts, three submissions. He's taken this short-notice debut uh, in the UFC, just like uh, Perrin. Now, how long has Rodriguez known? He hasn't known that long, has he? 
I don't know about that one. I only see. know about the I only a... know about the parent one because right. I saw somebody asked him about it. I it was just announced yesterday. I don't know if Rodriguez knew about it before yesterday, but anyhow, it's it's going to be fairly short notice for him. Probably very very short notice. Uh, he was on the contender series as well, where he went one and zero. Bellator, where he went one and zero. He's five years younger than Pierce, plus three hundred. JSP, eleven and four, eight knockouts, two submissions. He's been knocked out once, submitted twice. He's two and one in the UFC. Uh, both of his wins have been stoppages, TKO, and the sub. Uh, and they were back to back. Actually, the past two fights uh, are wins for him after dropping his debut. He was on the Contender Series, one and zero. Bellator, two and zero. Used to fight at lightweight. He used to fight at bantamweight. So he's right in the middle now. Uh, he's five. He's five inches taller than Rodriguez. More active striker, based off of their fights under the Zufa banner. Uh, Grappling stats in his favor, minus 320. So I'm going to go with Jonathan Pierce. Um, while I think Christian Rodriguez is kind of like an interesting prospect here, uh, he, he really fits better at Bantamweight. I know you said he's been above and below. The above fight recently was after a couple were canceled. He fought at 150 catchweight. Um, but, like, I'm pretty sure that's just because his 135-pound opponent dropped out and all he could find was the 150 catchweight. So, like, he, he's really more of a smaller guy. And as you read the the dynamics, Jonathan Pierce is a big-ass featherweight. He's huge. Um, so I think that reach is going to come into play. And even if Rodriguez gets on the inside of that reach, Jonathan Pierce is a pretty damn good grappler, too. So, yeah, I, I'm not giving much hope here to Christian Rodriguez. Yes, uh, Pierce is, is my pick as well. Like, once again, short notice, debut, uh, better resume than, than Perrin, um, but... Pierce is probably a better fighter than Bautista, too. So, anyhow, uh, Pierce is the pick uh, for that. So, we differed on one. We're on the same page for the other. Fights that were on the same page uh, this year. I like to throw out my stats. Overall, consensus since, what, 2020, I think I started doing stats. We're 60% still for fights we agree on. But this year, I think we're doing even better. 63, so we're a little bit better this year. So, um, we should have a pretty good prelims there, Dan, because we agreed on a bunch of stuff. So, all right, um, we also can agree on our amazing sponsors, so I'll tell you about the last couple here, and then we'll go to our sp- – well, I shouldn't say sponsor-free main card, but I won't talk about sponsors here in the main card. Um, PropSwap, we're brought to you by PropSwap, where America buys and sells sports bets. The Bengals defy the odds this season by reaching the Super Bowl, but Cincinnati bettors fell one game short, unless you were one of the smart bettors who sold on PropSwap. Dan told everyone last week to hang on to their Bengals. <laughs> hey, it was close. One possession game. It's true. Prop swappers made huge profits last week when they sold their Bengals Super Bowl tickets, like Tim from Ohio. What a sellout. An Ohio, an Ohioan, an Ohioan. Is that how you say it? Dan? <laughs> an Ohioan. I think it's a Hawaiian. A Hawaiian. Yes. Uh, Tim from Hawaii who sold his $100, 40 to one Bengals ticket for 1500 bucks in prop swap. See, he, he turned out okay. That guy, Tim. Uh, you ended up all right there. Prosoff has thousands of buyers across the country, so you'll always find the best odds and collect the most money for your bets. Hurry and download the free Prosoff app today because Prosoff has fantastic features like filtering listed tickets based on the best value, a free activity feed to stay in the know with all the big sales and red-hot tickets for sale, the loyalty rewards program that turns your ticket sales into extra bonus cash and the first deposit cash match. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and Prosoff will match your deposit up to 500 bucks. Join the real sports bettors on PropSwap where America buys and sells sports bets. Also, if you haven't already, grab the SGPN app in the App Store or Google Play. It gives you easy access to all of our picks, all of our podcasts, all of our contest giveaways, all that good stuff. And 
if you could throw us up an app review after you download it, tell the rest of the world how amazing we are. That would be great. All right. We've got a five-fight main card beginning with – this fight probably should be the co-main event. Um, middleweights Joaquin Buckley versus Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. Um, Al-Hassan is Judo Thunder. Uh, Buckley is New Mansa. What does that mean, Dan? I have no idea. I couldn't be good to tell you. <laughs> Neither do I. I know what Judo with Thunder means. I was going to actually take that nickname, but I thought Warrior Princess probably fits a bit better for me. Yeah, I, I like Judo Thunder for you, too. Yeah, maybe. Any, anything, anything with Thunder, true. really. <clears throat> yep, it's true. It's true. All right, let's tell you about Judo Thunder first. 11 and 4, 11 knockouts. So everything is a knockout for him, all of his wins. He's been knocked out himself once. He's 5 and 4 in the UFC. Uh, however, he's gone on a skid as of late. He's gone 1 and 3 over his last four fights. However, he did win his last fight via knockout. Uh, he used to fight at welterweight. That's hard to believe that he was a welterweight at some point, but he was. Um, he was missing weight there, so I guess it's not that hard to believe. Uh, he went plus. He's at plus 125 if you want him. Uh, Buckley, 13-4, 10 knockouts. He's been knocked out himself three times. He's 3-2 and two in the UFC. All of his wins have come via knockout, including his last fight where he won via knockout. He's 3-2 and two in Bellator. He also used to be at welterweight. He's got three inches of reach on Al-Hassan. He's nine years younger. He's a more active striker, better grappling stats, minus 155. Should be a fun fight. I like this one. I'm going to go with, with Buckley. I don't like how well, – he won his last fight, but Al-Hassan has not looked as good as he had, as he did in the earlier parts of his career. Plus, uh, Buckley's nine years younger than him. Pretty similar skill sets, I would say, uh, to these two guys. So they both like to – Slang and bang, so I'll I'll go with the younger guy who um who is on a pretty good uh, not not a super great streak, but three and two um is all right, and he knocks everybody out. So I'm rambling on. Buckley's the pick. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Abdul Razak Khalistan. Okay, um, it's kind yeah, of a, a toss up this fight. It's a tough fight, but I'll say this: you know, you mentioned the the three and two and that he's he's doing pretty well but if you look at those two losses they are really ugly losses I mean like granted Kevin Holland no slouch right like Kevin Holland is not somebody we we should make sound like a bad loss but he got absolutely picked apart on the feet on that fight like he he didn't look like he belonged in a boxing ring with with Kevin Holland Alessio Jericho is not known as a, a dude with tons of power and head kicked him into oblivion and and granted, Joaquin Buckley is a guy who can go in and swing, like you said, and he can knock out people like he did Jordan Wright, uh, who, you know, I'm, I'm very high on. Um, but, you sure are. You know, like with the exception of Jordan Wright, none of these guys are in the UFC anymore, right? Antonio Arroyo, Impa Kasangane now gone. Um, so, like, that's not really – doesn't make you feel good. Whereas, meanwhile – the losses of Dilrazak Al-Hassan have just are buoyed since the, the losses, right? Chaos Williams on the up and up. That dude is killing it. Jacob Malkin just turned in another great grappling performance, which is what he did to Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. Meanwhile, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan head kick knocked out the guy who head kick knocked out uh, Joaquin Buckley. So I think he's got power just like Buckley does. I actually think he's a touch better in terms of technical boxing and – Buckley leaves himself open to counter strikes more than Abdul Razak Al-Hassan does, uh, which is why we've seen him be knocked out multiple times. And we've only ever seen Chaos Williams, who throws, uh, to steal my, my term from before, absolute hammers, be the only guy to knock out Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. I'm going to go with the underdog here. Uh, he is a whole bunch older, uh, but as you said, that's not really panning out too much right now. And I think no. the older guy gets it done here. 
Speaking of a whole bunch older, let's move on to Jim Miller. <laughs> um, we were talking about uh, before. Um, yes, he's still in the, in the UFC. Uh, he's fighting Iron Mata, Nicholas Mata, who um, had this is what his third or fourth UFC fight. That's um, the first three were were scratched. He's finally making his debut um, against Miller, who he was supposed to fight earlier this year. And then Miller got COVID. Um, I think we talked about Miller's nickname being A Ten, which I never heard him call it ever, and I don't know anything about it. Have we discussed this before? Do you have any info on this nickname? This I, nickname? I don't. I remember it appearing like probably like five years ago, though, and being like, what? Uh, and um, yeah, now it's it's still there. And I hear Bruce Buffer say it, but I don't ever. Hear well, then it's legit then, right? I mean, maybe. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> you, you know my stance on Bruce Buffer. <laughs> I do. Bruce <laughs> Buffer, sure dog. We've got, we've got um, beef with Bruce Buffer, sure dog, and uh, – Jordan Wright. And, and Jordan Wright. <laughs> Macy Barber. Macy Barber. Actually, it's quite a big list. but That yeah. right there is the Mount Rushmore of, of yeah, uh, the true. MMA gambling podcast hate. <laughs> it's true. Someone uh, someone do a, uh, a sketch for us. Uh, oh, I didn't. I, yeah, picture, add, add, while you're at it, add my father-in-law. <laughs> oh, my God. That's right. He's, that's crazy. It's, oh, my God, Dan. Uh, I'm going to send this to him. Anyway, talk about Jim Miller. <laughs> I'm going to send this episode to him. Is is it A10 because he's a, an Atlantic 10 fan? Does, does the Atlantic 10 still exist? I mean, he it does, and he's okay. from the Atlantic region, right? right. So maybe it has maybe something to do with that. I don't maybe he think, was a big Marcus Canby fan back then. I don't think that's it. Um, <laughs> well, have him on. He's been on your show before, hasn't he? He has. We didn't talk about the UMass well, basketball. <laughs> well, you should. Next time you're on there, make sure you do that. I'm All on right. it. All right. Uh, let's break down the fight. He's not going anywhere, so you have plenty of time to, to get him on here. He still plans on fighting at UFC 300 because he was on UFC 100, UFC 200. So what? That's 29 events away, so basically 29 months uh, away. Um, I, I think he could last another two and a half years. So Yeah, I, I have no reason to think he, he's one of those guys who hasn't taken a lot of abuse. You know what yeah. I mean? Like like every time somebody sees that Andre Orlovsky's like, oh, I can fight another five years, they're like, dude, he's taken so much abuse. And he has, but not lately. But even if if you go back, he has. Whereas Jim Miller didn't even take the abuse early in his career, and he certainly hasn't yep. taken it lately. Nope. Very, very true. Um, watch the UFC book him like for some meaningless fight night card a week before UFC 300 watch. Um, no, they wouldn't do him dirty like that. Let's tell you about Jim Miller. This is fight 51 for him. Um, I thought he had fought 117 times in the UFC, but I was incorrect there. So, for his career, he's 33-16 with one no contest, five knockouts, 18 submissions. He's been only knocked out twice, so there you go, 51 fights. Uh, speaking of him not taking damage, he's only been knocked out two times. Submitted three times. The UFC, 22-15 and one with one no contest. Uh, that's what the one would be. Um, and he basically, he has the records for all all the longevity records, um, fight time records, uh, number of times. Fighting in the octagon, all that is is his in his alone. Um, he's three and two over his last five fights. Won his last fight via knockout. He made his debut back in two thousand and eight. Uh, he had multiple regional championships leading up to that. His pro debut was two thousand and five. He's got an inch reach over Mata. Grappling stats in his favor plus one forty five. Um, Nicholas Mata twelve and three, eight knockouts. He's been knocked out twice, submitted once, so all of his losses have come via finish. This is his long-awaited debut. He's not fought since November 2020. Um, he was 1-0 in the Contender Series. 
He's won three straight fights. He also was in the Ultimate Fighter, which I did not realize until just last night, um, like six or seven years ago, 2015, I believe, uh, where he went one-on-one. He made his pro debut in 2012, so he's no um, spring chicken. He's still 10 years younger, though, than Miller and an inch taller, minus 185. Uh, what can you tell me about Mata? Because I'm sh- probably have seen him on contenders. I probably saw him on Tough, but I don't remember things. Yeah, I mean, like, it was a long time ago with Tough, so it's hard to gauge whether or not that version of him still exists. Uh, you know, what I can tell you about him is he does seem to be uh, pretty well-rounded. It seems like he's got multiple facets to his game. Um, not a ton of finishing ability. I mean, like, you can go back and see some knockouts. Like, he did knock out Joe Selecki, which is worth noting. Um, but in, in kind of his other fights, you know, when he was on Contender Series and such, like, a little bit more of a grinder in some of those fights and willing to win fights like that. He had a little bit of trouble with grappling on the um, Ultimate Fighter, I can remember back then. But again, that was a long time ago. So whether or not that still holds up is is kind of up in the air. As far as this fight goes, though, I'm just going to be really honest. I can't imagine taking a dude on his debut who hasn't looked like an absolute murderer to beat an experienced guy like Jim Miller. I just can't imagine that, right? Like, he is younger. He is more athletic. I just uh, – you're going to get plus 155 on Jim Miller against a guy who's never set foot in the octagon? Like, I'm taking Jim Miller, right? Like, am I crazy to say that? Damn it. You're taking my underdog pick, Dan. I'm taking Dan Miller. Uh, not Dan Miller. Uh, Don't take Dan Miller. He's not his guy. Oh, he, he hasn't fought for a long time. <laughs> I will take Jim Miller. No, I'm taking him too. Um, yeah, Mata uh, – I was hoping you weren't going to say something about Mata that that would blow me away because I don't see anything in his past that that blows me away or makes me think he's going to steamroll Jim Miller. And Jim Miller hasn't hasn't his performances of late have has shown that he's not in a position to be steamrolled by anyone at this point anyhow. Yeah, yeah, I hundred percent agree. Well, damn it, Dan Dan is on board with my underdog. Um, all right, let's move on. Chunky guy fight. We love our chunky guys. We don't seem to get as many chunky guys or. Or are we just not talking about chunky guys? No, I don't I, think we're getting. I think like I think we've had less chunky guys in the calendar year. Yeah, it's true. Even though last weekend we had Derek Liz tied Tuivasa, so who who are we to say? Um, this is Parker, Peter Parker Porter. I, I call him versus Alan. Bo- oh, sorry, I got to talk French. Alain Baudot, right, Dan? Yeah, it's Alan, Alain Baudot. Alain. <laughs> he, he is the Black Samurai. Um, he is 8-2 and two with one no contest. He's won seven fights via knockout. He's been knocked out himself twice, so all of his losses are knockout. He's 0-1 with one no contest in the UFC. The no contest originally was a TKO loss for him before it got overturned. Um, so he's been knocked out in both of his UFC fights. He's three inches tall in Porter, four inches of reach, three years younger, plus 205. Peter Parker Porter is 11-6, and six, five knockouts, three submissions. He's been knocked out three times, submitted two times. 2-1 two in the UFC. He's won his two, last two fights after dropping his debut. He's one one in Bellator. Uh, he was a regional champ as well. He made his debut back in 20, 2007, excuse me. Uh, based on their last weigh-ins, he was 16 pounds heavier than Bodo. Uh, striking and active striking stats in his favor, grappling stats in his favor, minus 270. I don't like that kind, kind of number on a heavyweight fight, but I will be taking Porter. Uh, Bodo has not shown that he can hang out on this level, while Porter actually is dispatched a couple of opponents in a row. So Porter's a pick. Yeah, I will say this too. If you're looking to make this line a little juicier because you don't really like it too, and I'll just slip you a prop here because I'm, I don't plan on making this a recommended play and I'm just going to beat you to the props question. Uh, Parker Porter actually has a phenomenal jujitsu game. We haven't gotten to see too much of it here, but Baudot is a kickboxer. 
I think we're going to see right. a lot more of the grappling of, of Porter. And if you look back at his regional scene, he's actually got a bunch of finishes that way. If you're looking for him by submission, in a lot of books, it's listed at plus 650. He's listed at knockout at wow. less than plus 150. So they really don't have a good scouting report on how good his submission game is. So I think if you play that, that that's really the ticket to, to getting uh, some good value on him. So you're saying you're smarter than the bookies, Dan? In this wow. case, yes. Wow, plus 650. That's some nice degen. Uh, that's a degen number if I ever heard one. So, all right, we're... Both pick and Porter again. Boy, this is turning into a we've, we've different in two fights. I guess it's not that uh, that a huge deal. All right, this is our co-main event, everyone. After all these fights fell through, and it can't even be a normal fight. It's got to be a catchweight fight too, for crying out loud. Um, 195 pound fight. Just what we asked for. 195 pound fight between Kyle Dawkins and Jamie Pickett, of course. Jamie, the Night Wolf Pickett. Ah, ooh. I won't howl too loud because Dan has levels to twirl. Um, Pickett. <laughs> Oh, that could be the name of the uh, the podcast, Levels. It's all about the levels, there, man. There's levels that's, to this game. <laughs> and that's a Seinfeld reference, too. Remember when Kramer's He wants levels. levels. Yeah, everything yeah. is levels. Yeah, <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> uh, all right. The Night Wolf, 13-6. Eight knockouts, one submission. He's been knocked out once, submitted twice. He's 2-2 two two in the UFC. Um, he's won two straight fights, though. You may have said, weren't you guys just talking about this here, Night Wolf, a few weeks ago? Yes, he, in fact, we were. Actually, he fought a month ago to this day almost, January 15th. He fought. Um, so, I, actually, this would be a short-notice fight. I didn't mark that down, but this would be a short-notice fight for him. Um, he was one and two on the contender series. Who who gets to fight three times in the contender series, Dan? Is there a story just, behind that? Just Jamie Pickett. I think they liked yeah, how, right. like, physically strong he was. He is, yeah. like, a freaking specimen when it comes to as, as strong as he is. So, I think... They saw the losses, and not to mention, the losses were to good guys. Charles Bird and Punahele Soriano. Um, Bird didn't stick around the UFC too long because he was, like, a little bit older, but he was a good grappler, and Puna obviously has done very well for himself in the UFC. They're like, damn it, this, we want to sign this guy. Win a fight, damn it. We're going to keep sending you out there so you win a fight. So, you want to fight. So, here he is. Uh, he used to fight at light heavyweight. He made his debut way back in 2011. Uh, he's got four inches of reach on Dawkins, plus 225. As I said, this will be a short notice fight since he just fought a month ago. Um, Doc is 10-2 with one no contest, eight submissions on his resume. He's never been finished in a fight. He's 1-2 with one no contest in the UFC. Uh, he went loss, win, loss, and then a no contest over his UFC career. He was 1-0 in the contender series. He was a CFFC champ. He's an inch taller than Pickett, five years younger. Striking stats in his favor, grappling stats in his favor. Minus 250. Tell me why. I shouldn't pick Dawkins in this one, Dan, because he's my pick. I won't tell you why you shouldn't pick Dawkins. I have no business telling you why you, you shouldn't. Yeah, well, and also I will say this. When we broke down – so when we broke down why do you think you should pick uh, Ugly Man Joe to beat Jamie Pickett last month, we said Ugly Man Joe will have a grappling advantage, and we knew he would. And we said pretty much the only thing preventing him from winning the fight, if there was anything, and it ultimately did – was that he was not physical enough to deal with Jamie Pickett. I think Dawkins is. Um, you know, like we saw Dawkins uh, against uh, okay. Kevin Holland. Cool. We, we've seen him do other things that, that give me a lot of positive feelings about it. So, yeah, I'm going to go with um, I'm gonna go with uh, Kyle Dawkins here as well. So we are, we are the same on all but two going into the main event. Yep, let's see how the main event goes. Um... Johnny Walker versus Jamal Hill, a.k.a. Jamal Hill. Uh, sweet dreams. 
is his nickname, not John Mahal. Um, Walker, we'll tell you about first. Uh, 18 and 6, 15 knockouts, two submissions. He's been knocked out three times, submitted once. Four and three in the UFC. He's only won one of his last four fights. Uh, he lost his last fight as well. He was another contender series alum, 1 0 in the contender series. He also has multiple championships. I think most of them in Brazil, or maybe all of them in Brazil. He used to fight at heavyweight. He's two inches taller than Hill, three inches of reach. Grappling stats in his favor, plus 205. Sweet Dreams, Hill, 9-1 with one no contest, five knockouts on his ledger. He's won, he's been, yeah, sorry, he lost one fight, and that was via knockout. He's gone 3-1 with one no contest in the UFC. He won the TKO, or sorry, KO, his last fight. He was 1-0 in the Contender Series. He's the KOP champ. He's twice more active striking than Walker, minus 270. We'll let you break down the main event first. So first of all, I, I am going to dispute that his only loss is by knockout, because it was... Uh, by having his arm broken in a triangle and then being punched in the face kind of <laughs> next to it. Like, his arm That's was right. broken was and it was guy. dangling around, and for some reason they gave it a TKO. It's one of the weirdest calls I've ever seen in history. It's not a TKO. It was a submission victory. It was Paul Craig. Um, so here's the thing. This fucking fight, nobody has a clue on how it's going to go, and, yep. and for a really good reason. Johnny Walker's in it. <laughs> you know what? Yep. Johnny Walker for years, I believe I've, I've described him. I described him this week on the Top Turtle podcast, and I'm positive I described him on this podcast the last time we broke down his fights. He's an agent of chaos. That's the only way to describe Johnny Walker. And he's added a new wrinkle to his chaoticness. In some fights, he comes out and throws three spinning back fists in a row and lands all three of them and wins. In some fights, he leaves his jaw up in the air and gets it cracked and then still somehow wins. In some fights, now, he also decides he's a technical kickboxer and is not going to put his foot on the gas. It's so hard to predict how a Johnny Walker fight is going to go. It's damn near impossible for me. Um, So I I guess, like, you have to ask yourself, is that one fight sample of him looking tentative enough for you to doubt him? And for me, I'm going to say no. I'm actually going to pick Johnny Walker here at plus 200. Um, the reason I'm going to do it is because I just don't know. And I've always, you know, like I, I know Jamal Hill has got good power. I know he can knock anybody out. I, we just saw him knock out Jimmy Crew early in a fight. But, like, also, like, he also is the type of guy who capitalizes on people making mistakes. And I actually think if Johnny Walker fights that ticky-tacky fight he fought against Tiago Santos, he might even win that. Like, he he might be able to win that fight against Jamal Hill. And if he fights all chaotic, it's a coin flip. So, at the very worst, I'm getting a plus 200 fighter at a coin flip. Sure, why not? Uh, but I will warn you, there's no way this is anywhere near my recommended place. No. Could, could you call Johnny Walker Mercurial, Dan? Sure. You could call him whatever you want. <laughs> I mean, right, he's, right. just, he's just the most ridiculous dude in the UFC. Yeah. I am going to call him a loser in this fight. I, I'm going to go with, with Hill. Um, I saw some advanced strike. I can't remember where I saw it, unfortunately. I tweeted it, though. So check my Twitter feed, Jeff Fox Writer. So the, the correct Richard Mann, the guy's name, maybe? And, you know, he, he does uh, advanced stat breakdowns and stuff. And, like, Hill's strike stats are just – they're very good compared to anyone. But compared to Johnny Walker, they're, they're way, way better. Um, and it's not just one fight where Walker's look tentative. It, it's been a while, and it's been basically – last four or so where he's his style's totally been switched either base either because competition's getting tougher or he's he's gone to ireland training um with connor's guy or or whatever the case is but um 
yeah, he seems to be a totally different fighter. I, I'd have a hard time um, picking him. Plus, I, I think Hill's a pretty damn good fighter. So Hill is my pick, but not a huge fan of minus 270 line. I was hoping he, I was like hoping like, oh, maybe uh, he's going to be the underdog here, but no. He's a massive favorite. So, anyhow, I'll pick Hill. So, that's good. We're we different on the main event. That, that'll make things quite interesting come fight night, Dan. I will say, I, I just want to dispute something you said. Oh he did not look tentative against Ryan Spann. He did not yes, look tentative he, yes, at he all knows. against Ryan Spann. He threw, the fight only lasted two minutes, and he threw 25 punches. Okay, fine. <laughs> one fight, he didn't look bad. Like so, so just the Santos one, and I guess maybe a little bit of the Krylov one, but that was mostly just because he was getting out grappled. So, um, yeah, like you know, and again, I will not be surprised if he loses this fight. It's such a weird fight, um, that I I just don't think there's a a good way to to wrap your head around what's going to go down. Yeah, and it's um. We've talked about it on the podcast before with him. Uh, do we know if he's good yet? No. We still don't I, know if he's good. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I'll ever know if he's good. No. That's that's what we were saying. He's one of those guys. Who, uh, yeah, he's fought seven times in the UFC. I don't know if it matters. No. <laughs> that's true. But at least he was fun before. Now he's not even, he's not even that fun. For only one fight, he wasn't fun. Yep. That, that's all it takes, Dan. That's all it takes for the narrative to change, Dan. He's no fun. Haven't you heard? I think he's fun still. <laughs> I think the, I, let's, let's, have, let's have a dream. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's uh, let's have some fun recommended plays because this uh, this train's rolling down the track, Dan, and we're gonna head to recommended plays next. So I can always get a snicker out of Dan making that reference. So um, I always let you go first. So go right ahead. All right, I'm gonna start with Mario Batista. Um, okay. So I, I uh, you know, I'm I'm actually gonna ride him as pretty much my only favorite in my recommended plays this week. I, I'm gonna take Mario Batista. What did you give me on the, on the number Minus to start? 270. Minus 270. 270? Okay, so we'll we'll go with uh, 55 on Mario. Wow. Yeah, that's going to be the bulk of my play this week. All right. Um, let me see. Let me type this down first. Make sure it's all official here, everyone. Um, Batista at minus 270 for Mr. Vreeland as I move into the mic here. All right. Um, let me scan the card here. This... This is not, I don't want to recommend anything here. <laughs> I don't like this card, Dad. <laughs> I don't like this card, and I don't, don't like um, having to, to make picks here. All right. Um, Jonathan Pierce. I, I'm just, like I said, I, I've been getting too fancy with my picks. So I'm going to go Jonathan Pierce. Um, how much should I bet here? Let's go 40 bucks. Jonathan Pierce just to win outright at minus three twenty. Not going to be fancy this week, and I don't like this card. Also, so let's just pick winners. Forty bucks, Jonathan Pierce, JSP. All right, I'm going to take a. Uh, I'm going to get a little fancier than I have in past weeks. Uh, I'm going to take David Onama, but I want him by knockout because uh, I want the plus money on him. I'm only going to take fifteen bucks on it though. I'm going to take fifteen okay. bucks on David Onama KO. That's posted where I'm seeing it plus one fifty. 150. You got it. David Onama plus 150 via knockout. Let me write the KO part here. All right. Um, next, Bautista. Like just like Dan, um, I'm taking Bautista. I will take. Um, actually, I'm going to change it. Uh, GS, JSP. I'm taking 35 on him. I'm taking 35 of the same amount on Bautista. Just to win outright, minus 270. All right. My next one. Uh, I'm going to go with another plus money one. I'm going to take Jim Miller. Uh, you said plus 150 on Jim Miller. Uh, uh, yeah. Plus I'm going to take, 
145. I'll take another 15 on Jim Miller. Um, so I'm going right. to sprinkle a couple of underdog plays here around my big Mario Batista play. So uh, that should leave me with 15 more. It does. All right. Uh, so I got 30 bucks left. I'm going to put 30 on uh, the Warrior Princess, Diana Balbita. Uh, good number on her. So what did I say? It was minus 120. I'm just going to take her to win outright, and that will be my 100 bucks right there. I like that one too, but I'm going to go with, as I said, another underdog here with my last 15 bucks. I'll take Mark Streigel over uh, Chad Skelly. Um, you gave me 175, 170? Uh, I gave you 165, sorry. Oh, 165, a little lower than that. Okay, so I'll take 165 on Mark Streigel at plus, uh, or plus 165, 15 bucks. Okay, all right, so that is, we've spent our are hundred dollars. So we got fifty five Dan's got fifty five bucks on Maria Batista winning outright minus two seventy. He's got fifteen bucks on David Onama winning via knockout plus one fifty. He's got fifteen bucks on Jim Miller winning outright plus one forty five. Fifteen bucks on Mark Strigel winning outright plus one sixty five. Uh my picks, boring ones, thirty five bucks, uh Jonathan Pierce winning at minus three twenty, thirty five bucks, Maria Bautista winning at minus two seventy, thirty bucks, Dinah Balbicha winning at minus one twenty. Um, all right. Props, parlays, or, or you, you want to go right to the Degen, the Hungry John Degen 10 times money parlay? What do you say? Yeah, I already gave you my favorite uh, a prop here. Uh, bet Parker Porter. Parker Porter uh, by submission plus 650. That's a, a steal. Get in on that. Yeah, no kidding. Yep. Um, so that, that's my big one for this card. But for for a big parlay here, I think you could do a pretty good job of just playing the favorites we really love. You know, you mentioned we really love uh Jonathan Pierce uh as the first one so we'll put Jonathan Pierce uh along with Mario Batista which is one that I really liked um you know you also really mentioned uh mentioned that you really like the Daniela Belbita number um so you can snag her um you're so that that's what was the other big oh you also like Kyle Dawkins right uh yes um yeah I like him to win yes yes yeah, so we'll put Kyle Dawkins in there, and then close her on up with Jim Miller. So we'll take uh, just those four favorites that we really love. Jonathan Pierce, Mario Batista, Diana Belbicha, Kyle Dawkins, and then just pair with one underdog like Jim Miller, and that's going to give you just about uh, exactly 10 to 1, actually inching towards 11 to 1. There you go. And when Dan starts fumbling his words then we know it's actually time to go usually it's me that does that <laughs> now you can't talk either then we definitely need to put this here the bad we've we've given enough time to this crummy fight card that's coming up so um we got Darius versus Makashev coming up the week after so that should be a bit better so hopefully looking at the card though it's not that amazing of a card but it's got a good main event at least so all right um in the meantime anything else actually any parting shots or words Dan Nah, follow us on Twitter, at Gumby Vreeland, at Jeff Fox Writer. There you go. Bingo. And read our stuff at sportsgamblingpodcast.com, obviously. Um, I'll let you take us home. Go ahead. Take us home. All right. I'm Daniel Gumby Vreeland. He is the scrapper, Jeff Fox. And we will catch you on Sunday. <laughs>